In Advent, we are celebrating the comings of Jesus. It was so good in our... That's part of what was so good about our worship. It was so in touch with this season of the comings with Jesus. The church, which would be the church universal, looks back upon Christ's coming in celebration. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus announced the arrival of God's kingdom on the earth. The kingdom of God is the means by which salvation, peace, joy, love, all of that begins at the first coming of Jesus. It was initiated. And while we are celebrating that at the same time, we're looking forward in eager anticipation to his return and the fulfillment of everything he began. So the, the, again, worship tapped into the waiting. It's hard for us to wait, but we're waiting for what Jesus started to be finished. And we're in it. So yes, as, again, as Noel, it just so, so much tapped into this. We're in this process. And at time, like Paul says at times, the process is just a great hallelujah. At other times, it's a groaning. And that's all in the same paragraph in Romans 8. So in some ways, our faith is quite schizophrenic. We have these moments of great rejoicing and these moments of deep sorrow as we wait for the fulfillment, the completion of our salvation. I was saved. I am being saved. I will be saved. I've experienced the peace of God. I am experiencing the, I will. I mean, all of it, this, this process, it's incredible. So we're in a season of both remembrance and anticipation. And we're centered on four words. Hope, peace, this morning, joy, next week, love. We want to be astonished. We want to be astonished by hope by peace, by joy, by love. Brian Zand says it well. Noel also posted on our River City Facebook page an article that says pretty much the same thing about this astonishment about the season. I really recommend that you read what he posted. Christianity is a confession. We confess a faith. It's not an explanation. We confess Christ. We don't explain Christ. We confess the Trinity, the Incarnation, the Resurrection, the Ascension. It would go on and on and on. Though we cannot fully explain these mysteries. We cannot fully explain our faith. That's part of the marvel of our faith. Scott, explain the Incarnation to me. I can't. I can tell you some facts about it. I can tell you some history about it. But I cannot fully explain it. I can just say, I'm blown away. I'm astonished by God becoming a man. We leave room for mystery, mysterion. We honor mystery. We recognize the beauty in the mystery. And sadly, if we fall into the temptation, oh Jesus, lead us not into temptation because we're so gullible. We're so vulnerable. We're so easily deceived. If we reduce the Christian faith to only to that which we can explain, we end up with a paper-thin, watered-down, cheap knockoff of Christianity that no longer has the capacity to astonish. 
As a community of people following Jesus, I want us to be astonished year in, year out, month in, month out, day by day, hour by hour. We're never going to be able to explain the mystery of Jesus, but we can be astonished and believe. This morning, I want us to be astonished by joy. The night that I said yes to following Jesus, I was 17 years old. I was working at a scout camp teaching swimming south of Amarillo on one of the parts of Palera Canyon. And I and a friend broke the rules. We left the scout camp without telling anybody. We had to kind of go through the yuck and over the fence and some friend picked us up on the highway. So surprise... Sinners transgress, huh? <laughs> we made it to the Redis's living room. And that was the night that our young life leader, Tom Wilson, said, Hey, who wants to follow Jesus? And as soon as he said that, he gave opportunity for young people to stand up and say, Yes, I want to follow Jesus. And my heart was just doing this. But I was also very reserved. And I was right on the front row, right at Tom's feet. And I mean, he kept, okay, anybody else? Anybody? And several of my friends stood up, I want to follow Jesus. He said, anybody else? Anybody else? And I'm sure he's looking at me, anybody else? Anybody else? And he actually said the prayer before I said, I do. I want to follow Jesus. And that was, the, that was my beginning of following Jesus. On the way back to scout camp, now being fully cleansed of my transgression, I jumped out of the car at 34th and Bell, and I just ran around the car. Just, I mean, like that was not characteristic of me. This reserve, I was just so filled with joy. That came out of the blue. I was astonished by joy because Jesus invited me to follow Him, and I said yes, and that began my life of following Jesus. If God had a name, what would it be? And would we call it to his face? If you were faced with him in all his glory, what would you ask if you only had one question? And yeah, yeah, God is great. Yeah, yeah, God is good. Yeah, 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 yeah. What if God was one of us? Just a slob like one of us. Just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home. In that region, there were shepherds, nomads, living in the fields, in tents, no homes, keeping watch over their flock by night. Suddenly, out of the blue, black darkness, an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Relax. Chill. Look, behold. Listen to me. 
I'm bringing you good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. Intense joy. The joy I experienced running around the car. For all the people. All of humanity. I'm bringing you good news to you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will, be a, this will be the confirming sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth, swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace among those whom he favors. Could we just say that loudly together just to try to capture what that must have been like for those shepherds. Ready? One, two, three. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace among those whom he favors. Good news. Good news of great joy for shepherds. But... Shepherds? I mean, they're slobs without a home. Why wasn't it priests and kings? Shepherds were on the bottom rung of the Palestinian social ladder with tax collector and dung sweepers. The nomadic roots of the sons of Abraham were forgotten in Egypt. Shepherds were detestable in Egypt because it was an agrarian culture and goats and sheep ate the plants. So even Jacob said, we are detestable as shepherds to the Egyptians. When Israel was resettled, it became a more settled and agrarian lifestyle. Not many people chose to be shepherds. So shepherds in the history of Israel were considered second-class, untrustworthy, socially unacceptable, victims of cruel stereotypes. Even the Mishnah, which is the interpretation of the Torah, describes shepherds as incompetent and unworthy of rescue from falling into a pit. If you're, if you're walking home someday and a shepherd's fallen into a pit, he's not worth getting out of that pit. Just let him die. In the Mishnah, the rabbis during the rabbinic period were struggling with how can God be our shepherd in Psalm 23? Because shepherd was such a detestable person. They were deprived of civil rights. They were excluded from the judicial systems. Warnings were given, don't buy the products of a shepherd. Don't buy the milk. Don't buy the cheese. Don't buy the wool because they probably stole it. They were assigned to the class of despised people by the religious leaders. Shepherds would not show up in the synagogue. If they would have come to synagogue, they would have been asked not to come in. They were the marginalized. And yet... With all those strikes against them, 
They are the first recipients of God's good news of great joy. God's good news of great joy. They came to nomads. They're nomads living under the stars in the Judean hills. They're wanderers. They're the gypsies. They're working the night shift. They're the working class. And when God shows up, they're terrified. It's not comforting to have an unexpected, sudden, angelic visit. And then they're illuminated by the glory of God. So, what if you were faced with the glory of God? Well, here it is. This is happening to them. And they're receiving good news of an event. A baby's birth. And that event, that child's birth, that will call forth intense joy for all of humans, all of humanity. A child is born for you shepherds. Today, a child is born. There's a, God's giving a gift to you. In the town of David, that town is Bethlehem. And this child that's being born as Savior, is Christ, is Lord. I'm not sure that shepherds would have even known the significance of that other than there's a rescuer here. There's somebody that's entering at the low rung with us that's going to make a difference in our life. The sign of confirmation is a baby in swaddling clothes under the open sky in a feeding place for sheep. They would say, God is one of us. God so identified with us. We live under the stars. We have feeding troughs for sheep. This Savior, this Christ, this Lord has entered our space. Incredible. The shepherds would have experienced great joy for several reasons. God's announcement of great news begins. It's the bottom of society in the dark of night with working class nomads. The Savior of the world identifies first with those marginalized by society and religion. I'm guessing, but my thought is by starting at the bottom and on the fringes, God demonstrates that this good news of great joy is within the reach of every human being because it's percolating up from the bottom to the top, from the outside to the inside. God became like one of us, a slob like one of us, at the low rung like some of us, 
on the outside like some of us so that he could percolate the good news through the low to the high. There's another current that was going on that I'm not even sure that the shepherds knew about, but Luke would have known about. See, this good news of great joy is entering into a time of human history where there was already competition. There was another gospel, the gospel of Rome, that sounded like hail. Augustus, Savior. About 75 years before the Apostle Paul began proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles of the mid-first century Roman world, Rome had already begun formulating in its, its own gospel and spreading its message to the people of the new empire. With the advent of the reign of Augustus, in 27 BCE, which lasts until 14 AD, he is the first emperor of the Roman Empire during the time of the birth of Jesus. In the provincial cities of the Greek East, that would include the Middle East, they became far more stable, and the hope of a prosperous future was far greater than it had been for a very long time. The relief of the subject peoples was immense. And a number of the cities issued decrees honoring the new emperor as the earthly appearance of a benevolent God. One of these inscriptions reads in part, Providence, by producing Augustus, has sent us and our descendants a savior. who has put an end to war and established all things. When Augustus came to power, he claimed the special protection of the god Apollo, primarily because Apollo was the god of the sun's light and of prophecy. The poets of the Augustan era depicted this god as one of the heralds of the return of the golden age of human prosperity and happiness. Someone taught me early in following Jesus that the evil one will always overplay his hand. I would like to suggest to you that in history, the evil one overplayed his hand by starting a, comp- a competing gospel with the same title, the same Greek word, Savior. Jesus is not the first one to be called Savior. Augustus was. And this prophecy of a new age, a golden age, he started that before the real thing came in hopes of recruiting people into that counterfeit gospel before the real gospel came. I'd like to suggest to you that that continues in our day. Which gospel will we announce? Will we we announce the gospel of Rome? Will we announce the gospel of empire? Will we announce the gospel of military power? That brings peace to our earth? Is that what we're going to announce? 
are we going to announce the gospel of the kingdom of God? The gospel of Rome starts at the top. And hopefully it's going to trickle down to everybody. But if it doesn't trickle down to everybody, it can be enforced by military presence. It operates top to bottom. The gospel of the kingdom of God, as we saw with the shepherds, comes in from the very lowest and trickles up like a spring. I would remind you that Paul stood before the emperor of Rome and gave a testimony to the gospel of the kingdom. It cost him his life because you can't serve two masters. Will we serve the kingdom of God or will we serve the empire? So today, I just want you to know, I'm announcing in our community the good news of the kingdom of God in the birth of Jesus. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our Messiah. Jesus is our Lord. And that calls forth great joy for each and every one of us. I stand before our community to say no to the gospel of Rome. No. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to announce in our city... I mean, I, I don't know if we've ever really announced to the marginalized in our city, but that's where it's always got to start. And if we'll go to the marginalized, if we'll go to the long, low rung, if we'll announce the good news of the kingdom to the lowest and the least among us, it will begin to percolate up to the top. So let's herald, let's herald, let's, let's deliver to our city the good news of the kingdom of God. And let's beware of the deceptions. We can be deceived by an alternative that is not the same. Let's herald the same good news of the kingdom of God to our neighbors and on out to the nations. I, I would just suggest that there is a, a literal neighbor, there is somebody close to every one of us that is yet to hear the good news of Jesus. At 17 in Amarillo, Texas, my friends, I had, I, I, no one had ever told me the good news. You, yeah, you would have just assumed. He's just a good kid. He's a Boy Scout. He'd never leave Boy Scout camp. He'd never break the rules. I broke them all the time. That's a great cover for breaking the rules. When people think you're good, I wasn't. So nobody, nobody took me aside. The only memory I have of a testimony to Jesus was when I was at, in 12, I was 12 years old. My, my football coach took me to a Billy Graham film about the end of the world. And I went home terrified. That's, that not, that, I mean, there was no, nobody said, would you like to follow Jesus? There are people in all of our lives that are, they've never, they've never heard that invitation. Why don't you come follow Jesus with me? Because he's our Savior. 
He's our Messiah. He's our hope. He's our joy. He's our peace. Come follow Jesus with me. So I would like to pray two things this morning. One, I would love for all of us to be so impacted by this intense joy of this good news of the kingdom of God arriving of that opportunity of you and I following Jesus that we just are giddy. Like maybe on the way home, you jump out of your car and run around and just, you know, hands in the air. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Put a fire down in my soul. I, you know, take the lid off. I don't want to stay in control of my emotions. Because this is great news. This is intense joy. I want us as a community through this season to experience. I just talk about it. Actually experience the good news of great joy. Then the second thing, I I want the Holy Spirit to lay somebody on our mind, on our heart, that's a neighbor, maybe literally or at work, around the town, that you're just nudged to say, hey, you want to follow Jesus with me? The good news percolating throughout our community, throughout our town, throughout our state, our nation, the nations of the world. Would you like to stand with me? Holy Spirit, I thank you for moments like this where I can say, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and activate the words of truth that have been spoken this morning. Holy Spirit, my prayer for us is that first and foremost, that each one of us Say, yes, yes, I want to follow Jesus. I am yours. I'm forever yours. I want to follow you. Wherever that may lead me, I want to follow you. So I just want to encourage every one of us in your own words, in your own mind, your own heart, just express whatever way that is. Yes, Jesus, I'm following you. I'm yours. I'm yours. Holy Spirit, part of your fruit, love, joy. Part of your fruit is joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I ask, Holy Spirit, that somehow, some way, you could activate within us this joy of the Lord, this intense experience of the emotion of joy during this season. Wow! This is great news of great joy. And I pray for each one of us, each of our families, 
to experience a time of just joy. We're so, so happy that your news has reached us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you give each of us the opportunity to see a neighbor, a co-worker, a fellow student, someone in our lives that we just know, that we know, that we know, that by your encouragement to just to say, hey, would you like to follow Jesus with me? I pray, Lord, that we would be the heralds of the good news of great joy for our neighbors and the nations. Empower us to do that. Give us the opportunity to share our joy with others as we celebrate this season. Astonish us with joy. In your name, Jesus. Amen.